and ballsy voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but uh, more importantly, I consider myself a voice of Saskatchewan football and have been for a long time. Thanks for checking out Growing the Game with Ballsy once again. We just got through a great first ever football weekend in Saskatchewan, and that's kind of what this podcast is focused on for the most part, uh, what went on at Mosaic Stadium and plans to build it up bigger in the future as our two university football programs are doing real well in can west both the rams and huskies off to great starts the regina thunder continue to keep rolling they beat the saskatoon hilltops the perennial powerhouse pretty handily at mosaic stadium at football weekend in saskatchewan you know those teams will most likely collide in the pfc championship here in regina and the high school season is fired up around the province without further ado let's get to it and we couldn't kick off this edition any better than with Paul Waldo, a sponsor of this podcast, very successful in the real estate game in the Regina area. And, of course, he came up through the ranks in Regina, minor football, LeBoldis, Regina Thunder, played for the Huskies, and now coaches the U of S. Oh, and he won three Grey Cups, too. I bet you're happy you skipped this year to be on the Rough Rider Roundtable. You know what? Um... I'll tell you, it's always, it, it always makes it for an interesting uh, call-in show at the end. So, yeah. it's kind of, uh, it's a bit of the, um, it's a bit of what makes it, I think, somewhat, somewhat enjoyable. But it, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to see the guys struggling this year, and uh, um, you know, you, you wish it was going the other way. Now, that was probably the worst loss in ten years. How do you think? How do you? How do you think the? team response you've you you've been in a in a locker room before when it hasn't been going good when it has been going good right. do you think do you think dickie can get this turned around enough to get to the playoffs or you got some real concerns about this team now no i i think so i mean i i think you know i mean there isn't a better better human being than, than craig dickinson as far as i'm concerned and, you know we always say you know what i mean players win the games and coaches lose the games but I, but I think it's kind of a bit of the other way around now that i'm on the coaching side of it i can I can see how much, um, or therefore, lack of control that you physically have as a coach. Right? You do the best that you can to prepare the players, but at some point in time, they're professionals. Right? The guys who are on the field are the ones that have to make the plays. They're the ones that have to study. They're the ones that have to execute. They're the ones that have to go out there and handle the adversity and play. You know, your 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 coaches can only do so much. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I said, this is professionals. It's not amateur sports. Um, you you got everybody's got to look in the mirror and find it find it within themselves to be better. And everybody's got to be better, right? The defense has been good without a doubt. Um, and you know, you can sit there and say, well, you know, the offensive line is bad. Yeah, they're not playing very good. But guess what? It's, it's everybody. Uh, that's that's why it's a team game. Um, everybody has to continue to get better, and, and like I said, it's it's tough to see them struggle. But I mean, you know, you know, they can do it. It's going to have to be up to them. So uh, Nick Marshall's not happy apparently on social media with his coach because his coach uh, said, uh, "Hey, we're not very good right now. We're not very good." How would you feel if your coach said something like that in public? Well, I mean, I don't think he's wrong. Yeah, I mean, you know, what, 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 what are you expecting to lie? Uh, we're not record. The record shows it, right? Um, and, you know, I, I, I read up on that or whatever, and he said, oh, he's saying a different message in the locker room. Well, I mean, you can't be completely pessimistic, but you guys got to be honest with himself, right? And he's got to be honest with everybody else. And I think that's where accountability, in order, in order to become better, in order to get better, to improve, you got to be accountable. And I think sometimes it, it, it starts with, you know, you, yourself individually, um, before you can do it collectively, looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, hey, we suck right now. we we got to find a way to get it better. So, I mean, I don't think he was wrong, and, you know, whether, you know, they, as a player, you took it the wrong way, but 
I mean, you know, he's not lying. <laughs> as you're as you're looking at it too, though, you look at Nick Marshall as I pointed out a few minutes ago. Here's the guy that's coaxing uh, Taylor Cornelius to throw it his way, and then he gets yeah. burned for a 77 yard touchdown. Man, that, that's a bad look, man. The the irony in that, eh? him complaining about you know the coach calling out the obvious, and then you know him not playing well. It's 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 strange, you know, in itself. But once again, that's it. It starts and ends with the players, in my opinion. And yeah, I mean, one end you're you're, you're taunting you're taunting somebody to throw the ball, and then, you know you're not Jalen Ramsey over here. And, and even then, um, it's just, it's it, that's I think the, the frustrating part about it yeah. is that you see stuff like that going on, right? You know, if you just put your head down and going to work and. You know, eventually things are going to get better, but I mean, you know, you're talking guys and stuff like that. You know, it's part of your game. I get it. I think I think he's a he's a he's a fabulous player. When he's on, he's sure. on. But I mean, when he's not, he's not. And you know, he's a high risk, high reward type of player. But I just I kind of found it all a little ironic there that you know you're kind of taunting somebody on the field and you get these touchdowns and you're mad because your coach says that you guys are not playing well. Paul, Paul Waldo joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline, three-time Grey Cup champ. Now, uh, <laughs> Paul, one of your uh, guys uh, retires as a Montreal Alouette. If he was playing in the league now, he wouldn't be playing Kyrie Zaber. Just your thoughts on Kyrie Zaber, who uh, uh, he didn't, you know, why should he care about your body? Because he didn't care about his own. He did. Well, hey, listen, when you step on the football field, I mean, that's, that's got to be the mentality. Uh, you, you better hope. You better think. You better know that nobody cares about your body. Um, and then you as a player, when you're running down the football field, that I think they say any 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 collision over a 30-yard radius at, at, at high speed is like being in a high-speed car wreck. You know, you know, I know for myself, I would have done that 15, 20 times a game. He would have done that 15, 20 times a game plus every other snap of football. So, I mean, you know, I, I enjoy it. Enjoyed watching him play. I think he was. I think he was one heck of a player. And and um, yeah, the times are changing, the games are changing, and the rules are changing. But he was uh, he was a dominant player for as long as he was. And he played, I think, till he was, gosh, mid thirties, if I'm not mistaken. So he did a pretty good job. Football weekend in Saskatchewan. You're a great guy to talk to about that. You played yeah. for the Riders. You came up through the Regina ranks. Played for the Thunder. Played for the Huskies. That was the best of football weekend with those two games and those crowds. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it could have gotten any better than than the way all that went down. I mean, it was. You know the the all top thunder game. I think was it was a pretty good one. A little bit more lopsided on towards the thunder side, which obviously the all tops have dominated in the perennial powerhouse for years. And then you know the the husky round game. It was it was exactly what we expected it to be. I know from a coaching staff on on our side and our team, we we knew we were walking into to enemy territory, and it was it was going to be a battle. And, and that's what it was for a game that was you can call it a, a hockey score. Um, it was actually <laughs> quite. Ex- Quite exciting um, in terms of the turn of events, and you know the, the type of big plays that are made up on you know on the special team side of things, the fake punt, and, you know. So it was it was pretty wild, but it was fun. It was fun to be a part of. Year after year, millions of women across the country are afflicted with a devastating condition known as WTF: widows to football. Are you going to sit there on the couch all day and watch game after game? WTF. Symptoms include frustration, loneliness, and anguish. WTF. Currently, there are only a few treatment options. Shopping, overeating, talking with your friends on the phone, and extramarital affairs. Honey, gotta go. Hey, WTF. Widows to Football, WTF, now through February. Check your listings for affair times. 
Well, unfortunately for the Regina Rams, they'll have to go the rest of this season with their outstanding running back Kyle Borsa, who tore his ACL and is most likely done in terms of playing football. So it's next man up and one of the next men up, Christian Katende in his fourth year of school, but second year with the Rams at tailback, wearing number 38. You know, athlete important, but it's student athlete, Mr. Contende. Uh, what are you taking in school? Right now, I'm currently in business at the U of R. Awesome. And so what do you want to do once football and school is done? Like what, you know, what, what are you going to use your degree for? You want to start your own business? And if so, what kind of business? Yeah, so the goal is to uh, start my own business. And I'm not too sure what exactly yet, but uh, I eventually want to end up owning my own football team in the future. Nice, nice. Did you always have that uh, entrepreneurial spirit? Yeah, um, I feel like my personality kind of brought that out of me as I grew up, and uh, I just love football so much and want to help the community and creating a team that uh, hopefully succeeds in the future. You're a kind and bubbly guy. Where did you get that personality (laughs) from? Where did you get that personality Uh, from? Definitely from my mother's side. Yeah, my mom's kind of like the loud one in the family, and uh, she's got the loud laugh and the booming voice and always has the brightest smile in the room, so I think I get it from her. Are you a prankster in the locker room, or do you like to joke around and keep things light for the guys? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, as professional as I need to be when the time comes, but uh, yeah, I I usually joke around with the guys when when I can. Let's go back to football weekend in Saskatchewan. Before we talk about the game, just the event. It was it was nice to see at your game, uh, well over seven thousand people there. Yeah, it was super awesome. Um, the crowd was loud. It was nice to actually have fans back in the stadium after the the COVID year, and it was definitely something to remember forever. So, I like to see number thirty eight when he gets rolling down the field. Man, you were uh, <laughs> you were picking him up and putting him down at times. How, how you feeling out there? Is yeah. you, you're kind of thrust into the role a little ahead of schedule, probably. Um, a little bit, but uh, I mean, on our team, it's always next man up mentality, and uh, I'm glad that I got the opportunity to play to start in that game. And I plan on just showing what I got and continuing to work hard. So, what would you say is your best attribute, Chris? Um, definitely running through people. I would say that's the uh, the best part of my game, and that's the part where I think I excel the most at. <laughs> okay, so give us your dimensions for people that haven't watched you play. How tall? How big? Um, five nine, two thirty eight right now. Um, just all all meat you, you see me coming through the hole you can't really miss me so so uh so i'm sitting at the table with chris katende are you do you cook do you cook are you a cooker or do you just like to eat yes uh no i i'm definitely a cooker yeah um i like to make my meals i mean i usually meal prep but uh when i can i usually cook myself supper okay so what's a week of meals look like for you what's your go-to meal chris um, right now, my go-to is ground turkey and brown rice with a little broccoli stir-fry. Nice. Where did you get that uh, that uh, liking from? How did you stumble onto that? <laughs> just from, yeah, I mean, just from constant meal prepping, I figured that that's, like, the easiest way to, like, make a large batch and keep it throughout the week. So, Do you have a girlfriend? I do not. Okay, no, not, so, not at the moment. <laughs> okay, so if you were to have a romantic uh, meal, what would be your go-to romantic meal, Chris? Uh, definitely steak and asparagus. Um, I usually like, if, if I am cooking myself supper, I, I like to get myself a nice T-bone steak. All right. What's a game day look for uh, like for you, Chris Katende? Game day, uh, usually wake up, get, get a nice meditation in, usually go for a walk, and then have my headphones in, motivational speeches. 
and then kind of just music. Like I like to listen to uh, more meaningful music in the afternoon and then try to hype it up or ramp it up before game time. So. Okay, so you're talking about meditation and uh, and uh, motivational speakers. Is there one uh, motivational go-to motivational speaker for you? Um, for me right now, it's Inky Johnson. I'm I'm a big Inky Johnson guy, and he's he kind of like touches me in a different way just from how he grew up and what what he means and what the what the game means to him and how much he's he's become such a force in in the football world and like how people listen to him and everything he has to say okay now uh besides him was there somebody growing up on the field that you wanted to emulate um i'm i'm a big marshawn lynch fan that was kind of like my go-to guy anytime i need some motivation on the field i usually look up his highlights you're not going to have his same celebration when you score though right falling over backwards (laughs) doing that that type of stuff no, of course not. I'm a more I'm a more humble guy when it comes to scoring touchdowns. <laughs> That's good. Okay, talk about uh, taking over for Kyle Borson as he helped you out uh, in the transition. Yeah, um, Kyle's definitely been a huge mentor for me. He's uh, we we kind of just break down film together, break down linebackers, and he's definitely been a big help in the RB room, and he's going to continue to do that for us throughout the year. Chris, thanks for your time, man. Best of luck. Hey, thank you, Wolsey. I appreciate it. In the arms. Hi. I'm Sarah McLaughlin. Did you know for just about $19 a month you can help a radio DJ receive the food, shelter, and a pair of headphones they so desperately need? Donate now and you'll also receive a photo of the DJ you're adopting along with a bumper sticker from the radio station. If we get enough donations, they'll be able to make rent, eat something unhealthy, and maybe even update their demo reel. Because, you know, the radio business... Won't you please help a radio DJ today? Well, part of the reason I started this podcast is to talk to athletes who've come up through the ranks so they can motivate the stars of tomorrow, today. And one of those guys didn't play in Saskatchewan, didn't play in the CFL, but he's a great speaker. He joins me pretty regularly on my afternoon talk show on 620 CKRM, the sports cage, every afternoon beginning at 4. Make sure you check it out. He is a two-time Super Bowl champ and original Carolina Panther, Tyrone Poole. This guy started in the secondary, not a bit player. He started for 12-plus years in the NFL in the defensive secondary. When did you know, without anybody telling you, hey, uh, we're giving you a scholarship, hey, we're drafting you in the first round, when did Tyrone Poole know that he could make a living out of this, that he, hey, I, I, this could be my future? Uh, you know, really, that's a great question because I get that all the time, Michael. Uh, I really didn't know until my junior year that I possibly could play professional football. And then I didn't know until I went to the Senior Bowl. The Senior Bowl Mm -hmm. is an annual collegiate game played in uh, Mobile, Alabama, with uh, all seniors from uh, various colleges from around the United States. And it was then that I probably knew for sure that I would be a professional athlete. But up, up until then, Michael, I just enjoyed doing something that I realized as a early youth that I was athletic. My environment told me I was athletic. You know, when I mean my environment, whenever we played pickup ball, basketball, or we played pickup 
tackle football or or whatever the sport was. I was one of the guys that when they selected, I was one of the guys. Hey, I got Tyrone on my team. You know, so my environment told me back then how athletic I was, but it wasn't until maybe my junior year, definitely after the senior bowl, that I realized that I had an opportunity to possibly make a career out of this thing in professional football. What's the toughest thing about being a defensive back when you get to the high levels? What is the toughest thing? Well, you have various athletes, uh, receivers. You have some that are tall, uh, slow, tall, fast. You have some that are are smaller, quicker, uh, some that are smaller, faster, uh, playing the inside, the slot, playing the outside. There's so many adjustments. Uh, Receivers, they can go off, they can run a deep route and then go off the field and they bring a whole new guy in that you have to, okay, what what do I remember about this guy that I've seen on film? And sometimes you don't even see that guy. So you're out there covering someone that you have no understanding of. So being a defensive back, you're like water. You're like water. You got to be strong. You got to be fluent. But you also got to be able to make adjustment at any turn or the corner and still be able to cover. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy, man, when you think about it. Tyrone Poole started 12 years on the corner in the NFL. Motivational speaker. He's into fitness. The other thing about being on defense and being in the secondary is mentality, isn't it? You got to let that you got to let that play go. Did you always have that, or did you learn it? No, you have to have that. That's one of the, the, the prime uh, requirements of a defensive back. I think you have to have short memory. Uh, you remember how it happened, but you don't belitter. You don't. You don't just keep your mind set on how you got beat. You understand what happened, but you don't let it get to the point where it just throws you off your game. So that's why they come with the term short memory. Defensive backs, you have to have short memory. Know how it happened, but quickly forget about it so it doesn't impact the next play. But be aware because they will try it again. Okay, so Tyrone Poole, I want you to think about this for a second, okay? So I just got back from uh, <clears throat> from Nebraska, okay? My kid was playing for uh, University of North Dakota against Nebraska playing in the secondary and playing safety and he said dad I will never forget this I'll never forget second series of the game standing in the deep third of the field staring in the backfield seeing the sun glistening off the quarterback's visor and everybody's in full throat and it's uh see a red behind him he goes that I I he goes that is a that is a, a memory of a lifetime is there one play like that for you on a football field that you'll always remember that you'll always go back to that just gives you chills well, there's several, several, several plays, but definitely some instances where uh, players that were great players. I give you three situations, two with players very quickly, two with players and one with the team. Growing up, I was always a Dallas Cowboys fan. Even though I'm from Georgia, I definitely was an Atlanta Falcons fan, but back in the day, the Cowboys and the Steelers were the only teams that basically they showed on television back when I was coming up because those were winning franchises. So when I'm at, with, with Carolina now, my second year, we're playing them in the playoffs, and we're playing them at home. And I punt returned as well, so I go out with a specialist. Mm-hmm. And after the punt return was over and I waited for everybody else to come out, defensive back, so we can you know, get into our uh, warm-up, I just kneeled on, the, on our logo in the middle of the field, and I just stared at that star 
like that helmet, the Cowboys. I'm like, I can't believe it. I'm like, here I am two years ago. I'm in college, and now I'm playing against one of the teams that I grew up. So, yeah, that, that's that shining moment. Um, the other two were situations with players. Uh, Jerry Rice, who I think is one of the greatest players to at, ever put him on at wide receiver. Um, again, we're in San Francisco. I'm catching punts. Uh, just finished. Somebody comes, and I feel, I feel their arm go on my shoulder pads, and I turn to the right because it's wrapped up their arm, but they were, of course, Jerry was to my left. So I looked to my right, I looked back to my left, and it was him. Huh. And Jerry says to me, you're having a great year this year. Keep it up. And then he ran off. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I said, <laughs> oh, the greatest, the GOAT, man, just told me I'm having a great season. So, And then the other one was with uh, Deion Sanders. Uh, again, we're playing the Cowboys in the playoffs, and Deion comes out the a tunnel. Um with his do-rag on and everything, and he comes up to me and he says, uh, uh, play your game today, young buck, play your game. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, not the greatest defensive back cover corner telling me to play my game today. So, yeah, those were like moments, man, that along with others that just going to always be there in my mind. Hello again, it's Bernie. The XFL, I don't get it. We need a break after Super Bowl, not more football. It's too soon. You don't ask someone if they're hungry right after they just had Thanksgiving dinner. And if there's football year-round, do we not have an off-season? The off-season is when they get all their surgeries from all the injuries they sustained during the real season. They need a rest. And don't get me started on the team names. Thank you. Well, on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM, we do have all your sports covered, including junior football. Our own Sean Kleisinger called the action with Ryan Hall, a former Regina Ram and longtime amateur football coach, as we were proud to present that game. First game we broadcast for the Thunder on 620 CKRM since they won the championship in 2013. Of course, they knocked off the Hilltops 23-7 on football weekend in Saskatchewan. And our own Blaine Wyland caught up with the great quarterback of the Thunder, Carter shoot chuck to talk about the season so far king carter coming off a big win against saskatoon i guess coming into the season i'm sure the hilltops were had you know kind of that target on their back being defending champions do you guys think you inherited that target now beating them uh, twice in a row uh i don't necessarily think that at all i mean uh i think you know at the end of the season we can talk about that but right now uh we all know what happened last year right we went undefeated in the regular season again beat them twice uh and then obviously lost the one that was the most important so uh, maybe once we win that one, then we can talk about that. But right now, definitely, I don't think we'd have that target. I think the target's still on them for sure. Going first back to that game in Saskatoon, uh, I guess I'm sure that's one of the most memorable games I'm sure you've been a part of as well. Do you think that really uh, increased your guys' confidence as well, knocked out the confidence of the Hilltops uh, kind of with the way that game ended in Saskatoon? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, I think one thing that, that we know is that uh, we just focus on us. We don't really care about any other team in the league. Um And I think that really benefits us just as a team, uh, right? Because we get that confidence each day in practice uh, and it just keeps building, building, building. And that builds with, you know, other team events that we do outside of football as well, right? So, um, you know, we got all the confidence in the world and we're just taking it week by week, game by game here. And, uh, you know, the one thing that kind of surprised me was after we beat them last week, it was just like another game, right? So obviously that Saskatoon one was pretty exciting because it came down to the wire and we were pretty ecstatic, but... I think we knew we still had work to do moving forward. So, uh, yeah, it was just a little different for sure. Uh, talking about the game here at Mosaic Stadium in Regina, uh, from your perspective on the sideline, just want to get your thoughts about your guys' defense against the Hilltops. Uh, oh, our defense is the best in the nation. They are by far 
the grittiest guys uh, in practice too. Like it's it's pretty hard to move the ball against them, and I have to go against them every single day, right? So obviously it gets uh, me better. And then as an offense, right, we got a bunch of all-stars all around, so uh, it makes them better too. So I'm pretty happy we got them on our team for sure. Offensively, it seemed like a lot that you guys were kind of going for the deep passes, especially up the middle. Was that something in terms of, you know, your guys' offense, or was that something, you know, after watching the film, the Hilltops, that's something you want to look at towards uh, their defense? The, <laughs> the funny thing about it is, is that there were plays where their linebackers were dropping 20, 30 yards downfield because – their job was to stop the deep ball. Uh, that's what we like to do is we like to like to throw the ball deep. And, you know, sometimes it's a little little bit of a difference, you know, just checking it down, checking it down and letting guys run. Um, so that was a little different for us just as an offense because these past two years we've been throwing the ball downfield a bit. So, uh, you know, we were kind of just like, screw it. We're just going to do it anyway and see what happens. And our guys made some plays and came down with balls when we needed to. So. How was the atmosphere there at Mosaic Stadium against the Hilltops for that uh, game, a part of uh, football weekend in Saskatchewan? It was pretty electric, yeah. We had uh, over 2,000 fans there. It's always a good time, and obviously, you know, growing up as a Ryder fan, it's always cool playing in their stadium, so for sure it was unreal. Of course, uh, another team that's uh, emerged as a, you know, dangerous opponent in you guys' league is the Winnipeg Rifles. Interesting game with them at the beginning of the season as well, and then they went on to beat, beat the, the Hilltops uh, afterwards. After that first game against the Rifles, did you uh, – did it not come as a surprise that they beat the Hilltops later on in the season? Uh, you know what? I think we left a lot of points on that board that first game. Uh, you know, I threw two interceptions on within their red zone there, and, you know, we got stopped third and one on the goal line. So I don't think the score necessarily reflected how we played that game. Um, but, I mean, they're obviously an up-and-coming team. They had a lot of young guys last year, and they went through some growing pains. And, you know, They've always been a pretty solid team in our league for the past, you know, six years that I've been here. So, uh, you know, I'm not surprised uh, that they necessarily beat the Hilltops because they're a gritty team. Obviously, they're they're uh, they're in our little rivalry, I guess that you can say if they consider that one. But um, yeah, I I think they're a gritty team. They work hard and they have some decent coaching too. So. Looking at your numbers this season, I believe you have every game this season over 300 yards passing. Is that like a number that you kind of set as like a goal for each game? Uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, I remember, I forget which game it was. It was, I think it was, uh, week, just our first game of the season against the Winnipeg, uh, sorry, against Edmonton Wildcats. And I think we handed off the ball every single play that, that drive. Uh, and we just dominated them running right down their throat, right down their throat, right down their throat. And we went, I think it was like 75 yards for a touchdown that one drive in like six plays or something. Uh, and I came off to the sidelines and I told Steph Ensign, our OC, and I said, let's just do that all game. Like, if I don't need to throw a ball, I won't, uh, right? So it's not necessarily one of those things that I have in mind. Uh, I got some great guys around me. I have, you know, three all-star receivers. Uh, the other two are pretty good, too. Um, and then, you know, five unbelievable O-line and then a run game, that, which opens up the pass game, too. So... <laughs> Time now for the extra point here on Growing the Game with Ballsy, and we're nicely into high school football season. Time to catch up with uh, some of the storylines out of Regina with the commissioner of the Regina High School Athletic Association, Aaron Anderson. John Ford was the longtime head coach at LeBoldis. Is he still in the mix there in terms of helping out? He said he was uh, considering doing that. Uh, John is, in fact, still on the coaching staff. He's going to coach uh, offense. Of course, he's a guru when it comes to that. Uh, so that'll give uh, Ryan certainly some consistency to lean on there. And John's just so good with behind the scenes. And, you know, he's, he knows uh, all the ins and outs. And 
uh, not only in the football field, but all the behind-the-scenes work that head coaches have to do too. So I'm sure Ryan's glad to have him on board, and uh, it's always nice to see John on the sidelines. Uh, he'll, uh, you know, he's kind of our Wally Buono of uh, high school uh-huh. football. He likes to make sure that he's involved. As long as he's not running onto the numbers on the field, like Wally Buono <laughs> used to get to no, do. No, you're right. He's not He's not even close to what Wally yeah. was. Yeah, I think Mike O'Shea's taken that over in the CFL. Uh, in terms of uh, O'Neill, yeah, Pelche takes over there. That was, uh, that was a long uh, coaching tenure there too. Yeah, Jason Duchek was there for a number of years, and he's moved over to uh, the Miller Marauders, so him and Dean Coos are going to coach up uh, the Marauders. Uh, Miller will have a super strong team, and Andrew Turbuck, uh, it's his third year at Knoll, and he's he's starting to certainly build a better program there, so it uh, should, should be a great start. Yeah, and uh, the Belfer Bears, uh, we see that uh, one of their old quarterbacks, Noah Pelche, now starting with the Rams. Noah you know, quarterback in the Rams. It's nice to see that 5A schools, uh, you know, can have football players move on to uh, the junior and university levels. It's certainly not unheard of. There's lots of good football players even in 5A. Uh, so, yeah, between Claire Dory and Nolan Coos over at Belfer, uh, they're working hard. Their numbers are down a little bit, but uh, they're going to put, uh, you know, a product on the field. And uh, Chris Latimer, like you said, he's got an experienced coaching staff over there. And now this is... Uh, going on his third year at Sheldon as well. Of course, we lost a year with COVID, but uh, they were right there last year with Greenall in the city final, so I expect Sheldon to be a pretty good football team again. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Growing the Game with Ballsy. I want to thank my great sponsors, our title sponsors, Advantage Collision in Saskatoon and PA, Regina Sports Performance Center here in the heart of Regina with our good friend Aubrey Stedman and the gang, the Gear Up with John Ryan Foundation. Those are our major sponsors. And then we got our quarter sponsors, Face First Medical Aesthetics, downtown Regina above Gabos. Go see Crescinda to beat back Father Time. Hammer Time Roofing and my buddy Kevin Welsh out in Saskatoon. Go check him out. Call 262-ROOF. Royal LePage. Paul Waldo, you heard him on the podcast. If you want to get in the real estate game in Regina and surrounding area, give him a call, 306-502-5355. Thanks for supporting the podcast. If you have any story ideas, email me, mball at harvardmedia.com. And a reminder, check out the Sports Cage daily on 620 CKRM with yours truly. We'll talk to you soon.